Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, speaking to you from the great city of New York. And so... Bobby, I understand we're going to be looking at some of the early miracles of Jesus today. Isn't that yes, true? Yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, we're going to start with uh, the first miracle that is recorded in the Gospel of John that Yeshua performed. And that is, uh, it was at the wedding in Cana in the Galilee, where Yeshua turned water into wine. Mm. Was it Manischewitz? That's the only question I have, Bobby, was, is that... <laughs> I, I I looked in the Greek and it didn't say Manischewitz. So. No, it doesn't say Manischewitz. Okay, and just uh, I think I think we're yeah. <laughs> they did say it was the best wine though. Yeah, well, so, nobody would consider yeah, Manischewitz wine. I think wine that rules anyway. Manischewitz yeah, out. Yeah, it does. yeah. Any it's that's true. good exegesis there. But yeah, so we're going to look at this uh, in John chapter two and uh, verses one through eleven. And uh, I'll just start reading a few of these verses, Mitch, to kind of kick us off. So in verse 1, it says this, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Yeshua was there. And both Yeshua and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Yeshua said to him, They have no wine. And Yeshua said to her, Woman, what does it have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. So maybe we can pause here for just a moment, Mitch, and, and talk a little bit about, uh, again, some of, the, some of the backgrounds here, maybe even why John is uh, choosing this particular miracle to focus in on uh, at the start of Yeshua's ministry. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of interesting thoughts about this, and I think that we have to understand that John is a book of signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is a book of miracles. And sometimes these signs and miracles were linked to some of the great I am statements that Jesus made throughout the Gospel of John. Many people, like myself, would consider the Gospel of John actually to be the most Jewish of all the Gospels. Mm -hmm. It spends the most chapters in uh, the Upper Room Discourse, which was a Passover Seder. I mean, so that is a very significant part of the Gospel of John. And um, we learn about the Holy Spirit. We learn about Jewish tradition. We learn about many things through the Upper Room Discourse. And so I think John is very Jewish. But I think uh, maybe we should focus on this miracle a little bit. And there are a number of Greek words, Bobby, for uh, a miracle. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these words really harken back to the Old Testament. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, the, the main word is semion, which is sign or miracle, and it, it's a word where God interferes or intervenes in the normal course of natural events that he created and changes the normal course of events to accomplish his purposes. Mm-hmm. So when a miracle happens, whether it be with wine or with bread, or whether it be with the healing of a leg or the speaking of, of a voice that was dumb, whatever it is... It is the use of the average, normal, natural process that is now interrupted by God himself that makes it a miracle. But what's the purpose of a miracle? The purpose of a miracle is to not just demonstrate that God is powerful. It's, it's really evidence of the existence of God. It is evidence of, of God's 
uh, presence in the world. And uh, one of the places Jewish people learn the most about miracles actually is every year celebrating the Passover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Passover is a story of miracles. You have the rod and the staff, you know, the rod that uh, Moses would throw down and turned into a snake and God used Moses to deliver the uh, 10 plagues to the Egyptians that caused the Jewish people to go free. And that was a miracle itself because once they got to the Red Sea, God pulled back the waters and the Jewish people walked right through. And miracle after miracle uh, in the Passover. And uh, there's some really key Hebrew words. It's actually the Hebrew word mofet, which is oftentimes translated um, uh, miracle. But let me read from Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But I'll harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. When Pharaoh doesn't listen to me, I'll lay my hand on Egypt, bring out my host, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians, and here it is, will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons from their midst. And so this is a great passage because it illustrates the purpose of a sign. Mm-hmm. And one of the purposes of a miraculous sign where God intervenes in the natural order of things is to demonstrate that God is not only real, not only powerful, but God is also knowable. Mm. And so God makes himself known through the miracles. And so now we come back to Cana. So Bobby, tell me about this great miracle at Cana. Why wine and why did God do what he did? It just, for me, it just seems like such a, an, an odd miracle. I understand healing. I understand blind men seeing and, and so many other things. I understand the Jewish people walking across uh, the sand in, instead of swimming across uh, in the Red Sea, which would, would not have been a good thing. But what's so important for the creation of wine out of water to be the very first miracle that Jesus did in the Gospels. Right, right. And Mitch, you're right. It is a a sort of a strange miracle. Um, But I think John especially, like you mentioned, is a book of signs and and recording so many miracles that Yeshua performed. And the purpose of these miracles is consistent with what you read from Exodus. Uh, Later on in John, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, we get John's explanation for why these miracles, even the strange ones, why Yeshua performed these miracles, why they were recorded, and, um, and what it's supposed to mean for us. This is what John says in John 20, verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Yeshua also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God. Ah, there we go. And that believing you may have life in his name. Great. So even when we come to this miracle in uh, in John chapter 2 with uh, the wedding and turning water into wine, uh, what some scholars have noticed about this is sort of the, the underpinnings uh, and the messianic banquet, the messianic marriage 
underpinnings that are here in this miracle. Uh, because John is trying to help us understand and help his Jewish audience understand the identity of Jesus. If that's what a miracle is about, pointing to Jesus and helping us understand his identity as the Messiah, as the Son of God, then uh, John is going to intentionally draw those direct lines uh, between the messianic hope and expectation as explained in the Old Testament in the Tanakh and then it's, uh, it's reality in the New Testament. So two big things really stand out. Uh, one is the fact that it's a wedding, mm. right? And Yeshua is presented to us as the ultimate bridegroom. Of Israel. Uh, of Israel, yeah. yeah. And he's bringing us to that place, yeah. to that banquet table. And the fact that he turned water into wine. Well, all throughout the Old Testament, wine is usually associated with blessing, with joy, and with this great messianic banquet right. that is still yet to come. Right. So he starts the way it ends. Exactly. Yeah. He begins his ministry the way his ministry particularly in a second coming, is going to end with a great banquet with, yeah, uh, that's that's great. You know, it's always good to understand this from a Jewish perspective, but in reality, when we say that, we're implying that you need to know something about what we call Second Temple Judaism, mm -hmm. the Judaism that Jesus lived and walked, and walked into. And uh, that's part of the incarnation. He incarnated into a certain period of Jewish life. Mm -hmm. And the temple was still standing, for example. I mean, there's a lot of unique factors about Jewish life that Jesus walked into. And because the temple was still standing, uh, there were a, a lot of things going on mm -hmm. that are quite different than Judaism today. So, for example, there were six pots, and there were six pots uh, that usually held uh, water that was used for ritual cleansing. Right, right. And so it's not just any pot. It's a ritual cleansing right. pot. And we know that because it was made of stone. It was made of stone. Right. Right. And when today in Brooklyn, Bobby, when mm -hmm. Jewish men walk into a restaurant, what's the first thing they do? They wash their hands. They wash their hands, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, every Orthodox kosher restaurant yep. has a spigot. Mm -hmm. Not in the bathroom. It's in the middle right of the there. restaurant yeah. where you say a prayer and you go and you wash your hands mm -hmm. because ritual purity or symbolizing a desire to be pure before God right. Right. by and, washing and your hands is important. Exactly. And the prayers are posted right there on the wall above right. the sink. And there's a special little cup that's used that has two handles on it so that you wash both hands three times each. And that water does not go back into the pot. Or Correct. It goes, it goes away. Right. So if they had six pots that were used for ritual cleansing and the Jewish people were cleansing their hands on their way into a wedding, and there may have been hundreds of Jewish people coming mm -hmm. to these weddings. Mm -hmm. So if they came to the wedding and they did the ritual of hand washing, the water would have been poured out of the pots. So if you had a lot of people coming, I think some one person once said it was about 120 gallons of water. Mm -hmm. And so it would have meant that those pots were empty because they had so many people coming. Right. And so when it came time for the miracle, Jesus said, refill the pots. Mm -hmm. Fill them to the brim. <laughs> Fill them to the brim. Yeah. I, I just thought that was incredible because it was, I mean, if you don't understand why those pots were there, why right. they were empty, right. then you don't understand the miracle. So they refilled the pots with water. And instead of doing another ritual cleansing, he turned the water into wine. Mm. He not only turned it into wine, he turned it into the best wine. And of course, the wine was kosher. We know that. And, and so... Uh, what's the message? 
The message is that he is Lord over nature. Uh, according to John 1, Jesus was God's main instrument in creating the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. And he holds all things together by the word of his power, according to Colossians and Paul's writings. And so it demonstrates that he is Lord over nature because he can take water into wine. But also there's some mystery for me here. Um, knowing that that was water that was used for cleansing and tying together the water for cleansing and the joy that comes from drinking wine that was created by the sovereign of the universe himself. I'm not sure, dear brothers and sisters, what exactly is the meaning there, but I understand what happened and I understand what Jesus did. And I understand the nature of the pots and the Jewish ceremonies related to the pots. But I don't quite understand why he turned that water into wine. But I somehow feel that they're connected. And there are just some mysteries, Bobby, that we're going to have to wait until we ask the Lord himself. The book of Daniel is one of the most important prophetic books in the entire Bible. Understanding it is absolutely essential to comprehending and grasping prophecy as a whole. And that's why we'd love to send you a copy of Harold Sevener's book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon. Discover insights in knowing what the Bible teaches about prophecy, the end times, and our lives today. Obtain a fresh approach to the practical application of these timeless truths. The book, Daniel, God's Man in Babylon, is free and available right now. All you have to do is reach out and say hello. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask for Harold Sevener's timeless treasure when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks for reaching out today. We look forward to hearing from you soon. New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up. We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration, and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit chosenpeople.com slash shalomnewyork to find out more. That's chosenpeople.com slash shalomnewyork. We hope to see you this summer. Well, right now we're going to hear from Claudia Zelezny. Claudia grew up in the former Soviet Union and experienced a lot of anti-Semitism. Her earliest memories are being called Christ killer by kids at school. She grew up thinking that Christians hated Jews, but one day she had a chance to read the Bible, and instead of finding an anti-Jewish textbook, she found a story about her Jewish people and their journey with God. Claudia has an amazing story, uh, Bobby, a story that crosses continents and crosses political systems. I mean, it's just an amazing, awesome testimony, and I hope that it will be a blessing to those who hear it. We had only a few Jewish uh, guys in, in the class. Everyone wanted to mock us. You just killed Jesus. 
the big guys, they beat at him without any compassion. For me, it was horrible experience to remember even now. The life in Ukraine was uh, mainly in former Soviet Union was very hard for us. Being atheist was uh, kind of, uh, you know, the system. Believe it or not, we never had Bible at our home. Once I came to the place where I work, used to work, and the young lady, she was happened also to be Jewish, hiding something under the table. Finally, she gave me the Bible because I told, let me get it, let me get it. I thought that Bible is existing instruction how to have Jews. I decided just to glance. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah. Wow, that's all about Jewish people. And I told, why you would not give me the Bible to read? She told, no, I received it only for one day. So how long I could read it? She told, 10 minutes, sacrificially, 10 minutes. That's my first experience to read the Bible 10 minutes back in Ukraine. <laughs> my son was called to the army. We did not want him to go to the Afghanistan war. I would try to hide him, but anyway, they found him and they caught him and put him to the prison. I didn't know how I would help him. I didn't know what, what to do in that situation. Forty days and nights, we, uh, he was in this prison and uh, we did not know how to help him. I remember myself going through the Ruvim Babi Yar, which was uh, covered by snow. And suddenly I realized that I have to pray. And I started to cry. And I thought, God, if you only exist, living God, please come and help me. And this moment I realized suddenly that I'm accepted. I'm not alone here in this night, in the snow. I can't even remember how I crossed this bridge and how I appeared at home, but what I remember is that I prayed all night. What happened next? I even could not understand what's going on. But next happened that they brought my son and allowed us to go out for two months, physically release him for two months. Isn't it a miracle? We appeared in Italy in the camp for refugees. I told to my family, guys, we have to go to the synagogue all together and be thankful to God who helped us to escape. In the reality, that was an interesting experience. I never was in a synagogue before. So I learned a lot of tradition and the understanding that God is real came to my heart. But I did not find out uh, how to talk to him, really. I started kind of arguing with him. I'm looking for you almost a year now. What they have, empty hand? I realized that they better have to leave the synagogue. And I left and I cried. I do not know what to do next. Well, a <clears throat> couple days later, uh, uh, one of uh, friends of my son, he, he told, why are you sitting home all the time? Why you would not go to the American club? I heard about the American club, and I heard that as Christians, and I told, Jewish people never would interact with Christians. <laughs> but my son 
decided to go. And he told, Ma, that's what you're looking for. These people speak about God all the time. <laughs> they read uh, uh, the Bible, and in the Bible, they everything about the history of our people. Why you would not go and see? Well, Bible. I decided I'm going to go once, take my Bible, never come back. We came back with four Bibles. <laughs> I was amazed when they told we love Jewish people. What, what kind of Christian you are, I, I ask. Why you love Jewish people, they told. We want to serve you, we want to help you. I started to understand why they love Jewish people. Because then they knew that Jesus is the Messiah, our Messiah. Jesus, Messiah of Israel. It's not normal people. <laughs> All my Jewish heart was against the idea that Jesus would be Messiah. And then I decided I have to read the Bible, Old Testament certainly, Tanakh, to find out who is the Messiah. I simply saw that only Jesus would fulfill all these ideas in the Bible. Messiah of Israel, come to this world to die for me. Suddenly I realized that how God loves me to send such Messiah. And I fell in love with Jesus. I thought, Yeshua, you would be only my Messiah and I want to serve you all my life. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a Chosen People trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift available for you just for reaching out. We'd love to thank you by sending you a book by Harold Sevner, a former president of Chosen People Ministries, about the book of Daniel, which will give you incredible insight to the times that are unfolding at this very moment. Daniel couldn't be more relevant than today. And so God's Man in Babylon, the story of Daniel, will be sent to you free when you reach out to say shalom or hello to your friends at Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash radio. That's chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also ask for Dr. Sevener's book on Daniel when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. 
That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or you can request your copy when you call us at 888-293-7482. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.